Hello, everyone. Welcome to Prep Talk, the emergency management podcast. Find out what you need to know about preparedness, get all the latest tips from experts in the field, and learn what to do before the next disaster strikes. From the emergency management department in the city that never sleeps, here are your hosts, Omar Bourne and Allison Panisi. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. I'm Omar Bourne. And I'm Allison Panisi. Thank you for joining us. We want you to come back as often as you can and feel free to add Prep Talk to your favorite RSS feed. You can also follow us on social media. Now let's get into the show. That's right, Allison. As the Black Eyed Peas like to say, let's get it started. Today we're going to take a look back at the 2017 Atlantic hurricane season. The season came to an end on November 30th, and my, what a season it's been. It's been described as the most destructive, nightmarish, even worst ever. See, that's how I describe Black Friday, but I digress. <laughs> You're absolutely right. You, you 2000, have a point. <laughs> 2017 has been one of the more active hurricane seasons we've seen, uh, with major hurricanes like Harvey, Irma, and Maria. And today's show, we'll take a look back at the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration's prediction for hurricane season and how we can continue to keep people prepared. So here to talk to us today are Gary Conti, Warning and Coordination Meteorologist from the National Weather Service. And we also have Henry Jackson, who is Deputy Commissioner here at New York City Emergency Management. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Hi, Allison. Hello. Gary, I want to start with you. Now, NOAA originally predicted an above normal season, 11 to 17 named storms, 5 to 9 hurricanes, and 2 to 4 major hurricanes. Back in August, those predictions were adjusted, upping the named storms between 14 to 19 and the major hurricanes between 2 to 5. What prompted that change? Okay, so before we get to that, let's put the average hurricane season in context. Typically, we can experience 12 named storms, six hurricanes, and three major hurricanes. And that puts those numbers into better context. So when uh, the updated hurricane forecast came out by the Climate Prediction Center, it was upped simply because they were anticipating El Nino to develop across the equatorial Pacific Ocean. This inhibits um, hurricane development. And so that was a check on the negative side. In addition to that, they were thinking that the Atlantic tropical waters would be cooler than what they turned out to be. And that was was also a check on the negative side. And the forecast models were actually predicting less overall activity. Mm -hmm. So what happened was they took a look at the observations, the the near forecast trends, and decided to up those numbers. Boy, did they get it right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, We actually got an early start to the season this year with Arlene forming um, in the Atlantic um, during April. And then in 2016, we had uh, a storm called Alex that formed in January. Uh, Do you believe this is going to be the new normal where we see more storms forming in the Atlantic before the official start of Atlantic hurricane season in June? So, Allison, I don't think so. I think if we go back in history, we've had a lot of different storms that have formed outside of the traditional and official hurricane season. The official hurricane season begins June 1 and ends November 30th. We've had storms, like you've mentioned, that have developed as early as January and uh, storms that have developed as late in the year as December. And so, uh, just like the tornado season, uh, although there is a peak in the local area, essentially for the months of June, July, and August, we certainly can get tornadoes outside of that peak season, like we did back on September 2010. Okay. Okay. Wow. Now, what were the factors that 
contributed to such an active season. Uh, would you consider this year an anomaly or is this a sign of things to come? I don't think it is an anomaly. Wow. So when we go back and we take a look, this was a very active and a destructive hurricane season, like you mentioned, Omar. But when we go back in history, we've had other active years. Uh, we go back to 2010 hurricane season, um, very, very active season. But the 2005 also. hurricane yeah. season, mm-hmm. uh, not only did we go through our American alphabet, we went through six letters of the Greek alphabet in naming storms. And 2005, there were an an extraordinary number of major hurricanes. Um, And so then we can go back, and I know that the inclination there is the correlation with climate change, but if we go back to the 1950s, in the 1950s, 1954, the year I was born, uh, we actually were impacted, (laughs) we were impacted by three hurricanes that year, and uh, those were Carol, August 25th to 31, Edna, September 5th to the 11th, and Hazel, October 5th to the 15th, and by the way, Hazel's winds, even though it was inland, were the highest winds ever recorded in Central Park in October of 1954. And so we really do not uh, look at uh, this as an abnormal season. Uh, There are other factors that go into the activity, the number of hurricanes and the intensity of hurricanes. And one is a climate cycle. And this climate cycle affects the sea surface temperatures. It causes them to oscillate between warm and cool sea surface temperatures. And it's a 30-year climate cycle. And this, the latest 30-year climate cycle began in the mid-1990s. And it is called the Atlantic Multidecadal Climate Cycle. And since the mid-1990s, the sea surface temperatures where hurricanes develop across the tropical Atlantic waters has been above normal. And that is typically correlated with higher hurricane activity. So we're reaching now the end of that cycle. And it'll be interesting to see, once we get out of this favorable cycle, how future hurricane cycles will look like uh, for the Atlantic Basin. And um, I'm glad that you brought up that we're getting to the end of that cycle. Hopefully, uh, we'll see a turn for the better where maybe we go uh, with less hurricanes or uh, below normal s- seasons, hopefully. Possibly. <laughs> Stay tuned. We have a lot more ahead on today's show. Coming up, our guests share their thoughts on how prepared they believe the public is for hurricane seasons to come and what they are doing to ensure the city stays safe and prepared. But first, here's Bushra with today's tip. Hey, everyone. This is Bushra with your Prep Talk tip. If you think you're too busy to be prepared, look no further than the Ready NYC app, which helps you make an emergency plan before disaster strikes. Store important information you may need in an emergency, including emergency contacts, meeting places, health information, and supply lists to help you gather items you might need in an emergency. Get the free app today for your Apple or Android device. For more information on how to be prepared, visit nyc.gov slash emergency management. Welcome back. Thank you, Bushra. We're discussing this year's Atlantic hurricane season, which wrapped up on November 30th. Now, I want to talk about public information flow, starting from when a storm first forms. 
uh, and I'll open this up to either one of our guests. Do you think the public grasps the impacts and risks associated with these storms? And what resources do you consider to be helpful in highlighting these impacts? Uh, well, I'll take that. Um, uh, thanks, Omar. Uh, so we at, at, at New York City Emergency Management start tracking these storms as they form right off the coast of Africa. And so internally, we're doing uh, a lot of tracking. But uh, you know what we've seen over the years is that the uh, sort of commercial media is starting to do the same thing. So I think these storms are getting highlighted uh, earlier in the process than they used to be. Uh, I, I think in a lot of cases, the, the news media is using this sort of as a, as a draw and really pumping up some of these storms, which I think helps us to sort of impart the impact and seriousness of storms. Right. Um, I certainly think over the years and in our jurisdiction, you know, with Sandy, people are aware of uh, the risks and impact associated with them. And, and we do a lot of communication, public communication um, uh, to, to alert our citizens to those risks and tell them what to do about it. Um, right. So uh, every year, I think, we get a little better at it, but it's a it's a tough nut to crack. And uh, I'll add, uh, I, I think Sandy has kind of changed the landscape here locally across the New York City metropolitan area. Right. It wasn't really until we had Sandy that people knew what is storm surge, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what can storm surge do, and I think that has changed a lot of people's minds. The traditional thought is, oh, let's have a hurricane party and ride out the storm. <laughs> I think now that people have felt essentially storm surge. Sandy was an education on storm surge. Um, I think people are more sensitive uh, to some of the high impacts that are caused by hurricanes. And I think uh, today that more people know within the U.S. government that the National Hurricane Center is the one that's making the call and Mm -hmm. is uh, visible on, on television. So when a tropical storm or a hurricane watch a warning goes up, for the New York City metropolitan area, I think there are more people today that do know that that is coming from the National Hurricane Center. I'm glad you guys mentioned Sandy and, and Gary. I'm glad that you talked about riding out the storm and having a hurricane party because when you look at public behavior, and we say this a lot, um, people are more familiar with their last experience. And so when you look at Sandy, um, and Irene came before, and a lot of people said, well, you know, Irene wasn't as bad as the officials predicted or forecast it to be, and so a lot of people felt like they could ride out the storm uh, when Sandy came the following year. So how do we ensure, um, or is there something that can be done to ensure that people take heed uh, every time we have a warning or every time there's going to be a hurricane that's coming up the coast. I think uh, that we are slowly turning people people's behavior around, but you're right. Uh, people do have a tendency to go back and think about how the last hurricane impacted them. Right. And so uh, if they didn't feel any impacts, it's like, okay, not a big deal. And uh, Oh, what a difference one grid point makes in meteorology. And so if Irene, for example, was only 30 or 60 miles further to the west on its track to the north, Mm -hmm. New York City would have much more significant storm surge like Long Island did and like Connecticut did. So just to put things into perspective with Irene, and this is where we take a look at a little wider picture, um, we had homes in New Haven, in Connecticut, not too far 
from the city. Uh, and this is from Long Island Sound. This is not the Atlantic Ocean, a much smaller body of water that basically produced a storm surge up to six feet above ground level and swept homes right off a cozy beach in New Haven. Wow. And if mm. I didn't see it, I wouldn't believe it. Right. 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 And, and I, I think we saw a little bit, uh, I think we saw clearly that with the Irene and, and Sandy experiences. And I think we're hopeful that since Sandy was the last experience we had, that people were heat at that time. But, um, you know, we do more and more advertising on this, this topic. Um, I think, you know, we should treat every hurricane as a teachable moment, even if it's not coming to us, you know, that, that some other uh, jurisdiction is going to be impacted. Um, and uh, uh, you just need to keep repeating it and repeating it. Until people I like that point. That. Yeah. Um, and I know that this is something we sort of touched on already, and it's rather a loaded question, but um, I'm curious as to how hurricane season has influenced your respective fields. Um, Gary, you mentioned before about storm surge. Um, the National Hurricane Center had rolled out a prototype product that highlights the hazard of storm surge. What are key changes that the two of you have seen over the years? I think uh, again. Let's let's go back to Sandy, uh, mm-hmm. and and since Sandy, um, the National Weather Service at that point used mostly. I, I'm not I'm not going to even say this. They used a combination of graphic and text information to communicate um, the hazards and impacts. But at that time, we did not have the graphics available for mm-hmm. people to visualize. Storm surge. We do that. We do have that today. Mm -hmm. And today, the National Hurricane Center now issues storm surge watches and warnings. And to go along with that, even a flood potential map that shows a one in 10 chance of the area where you live being inundated with water, Mm -hmm. where the total water level is now referenced to the ground that you're standing on. Right. How high is that water going to get? Is it going to get up to my knees, my waist? And so what they've done, they've put these nice color graphics together, and they've basically uh, provided you with intervals that you could typically see with different color shades. Mm-hmm. Oh, if I live uh, Seagate in Brooklyn, I can expect water from one to three feet above ground level. Or if I live on the east shore of Staten Island, uh, there's a chance, there's a one in 10 chance that the water could reach three to six feet above ground level. So I think when people now see these new graphics in combination with the storm surge watches and warnings that are now being issued. I think that helps a lot for them to help visualize what their risks are so that if or when New York City EM calls for an evacuation order, they now have a little bit more meaning to look at. And and by the way, storm surge warnings are now available through wireless emergency alerts. Right. So mm-hmm. if you've got your iPhone, you're being mm-hmm. pinged on that storm surge warning. Yep, yep. Those uh, those tools have been uh, getting better and better every year, and 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 so has our you know response plan to uh, coastal storms. And uh, you know we're really still working through Sandy uh, after action items, uh, and every year we add new uh, components to it. Uh, and this year we you know we added some new emergency contracts. Uh, we've been working on uh, sandbags in various locations uh, in the city, uh, and we're doing you know more. Uh, sort of intensive research on vulnerable populations data so that we can find people uh, who may be impacted after a storm. So every year, every 
season. We learn new things. We implement uh, new new strategies uh, to uh, you know prepare the city for coastal storms. Mm-hmm. Now, Gary, I'm going to lighten the mood a little bit. I know you've been with the National Weather Service since 1979, correct? That is correct. That's, That's a correct. long time, Omar. <laughs> <laughs> Very long time. <laughs> A few years before I was born, but we will not get into that. <laughs> um, so you're going to be retiring soon, and obviously you bring a wealth of knowledge and experience to the field. And so my question for you is, having 30 plus, almost 40 years of experience with the National Weather Service, uh, do you have any last words? Where do you see us going in our preparation and in our predicting of, of bad weather in general? and anything you'd like people to know about your experience and what they can expect uh, going forward. Well, I've experienced a lot (laughs) during that time period, I could tell you that much. Uh, Whether we're talking about hurricanes, winter storms, whether we're talking about tornadoes, uh, an awful lot. And I I can honestly say that uh, organizationally, the National Weather Service um, has come far. It really has come far, especially in the past decade in its ability to better articulate and communicate what the hazards, the risks, and the impacts are, you know, for the general public. And I think the general public, uh, now as we continue to see big winter storms almost on an annual winter season basis. Don't remind us. (laughs) um, I, I think that people are becoming a little bit more sensitive to the higher frequency of impact events that we're seeing across the local area. And so the question then becomes is, how much of that can be attributed to climate change and how much it, how much of it is part of the natural climate cycle? Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and I can tell you now that there is no question that we are experiencing uh, climate change. And uh, you know we can see here that essentially that uh, great US government website is uh, uh, climate.gov. And, and uh, the climate office does put out a great web page that will show you the content of the heat in the ocean increasing over time. And it will show you essentially the sea level rise that mm-hmm. is occurring because of the ice melting over time. And what we are experiencing, whether you're sitting and you have tickets for a show at the Jones Beach Theater in Nassau County, is you may not wanna get and spend a lot more money for those front row seats. <laughs> you better take a look at the phase of the moon. Is it going to be during high astronomical tides or low astronomical tides so that when you get your fancy shoes on and get down to that first or second row, you're actually not sitting in water? <laughs> no, <laughs> and, and so <laughs> I think a lot of people have been surprised when they go down, go down to some of the uh, shoreline uh, stadiums and, and see this thing actually happening. And so um, that is that is the key. Uh, the key is, is I think that, you know, for the New York City metropolitan area embedded within the northeast of the United States, um, we are seeing essentially an increase in temperature. And that temperature here has led to more water vapor in the atmosphere. And so we are seeing more extreme events related to heavy precipitation, which academia has Mm -hmm. actually corroborated through a number of studies. So that is going on. Mm -hmm. And we do see change. And interestingly enough, for people who do look at the, the numbers, and if you look at the numbers in Central Park, you'll see essentially that the winters are actually warming over time on average, 
but so is the snowfall is actually increasing. Hmm. At the same time, the temperatures are warming because the temperatures are not warming quite fast enough to compensate for the increase in water vapor concentration that is basically hovering over the city next to the Atlantic Ocean. So there's typically more water vapor available to generate the bigger storms. Wow. I'm so and, glad I have those winter coats. Yeah, <laughs> and so, and so uh, bottom line is, uh, you know, the one thing I like to always say, uh, I can't even say this is in the past, is climate is what you expect. You go back, you look at the records, you look at the numbers, and climate's what you expect, but weather's what you get. And yeah. if you don't like the weather today, just wait a day or two. I like, I like that. <laughs> it changes. That's a good one. Are you going to be a radio host in, in retirement? Because you have the voice for it. Yeah, I, I, I would wholeheartedly agree with that. Not planning to, but... Uh, Should consider it. I would, con- I would consider it, sure. So, Henry, there's a rumor going around that you are called Action Jackson. Could you... Enlighten us as to what that's about. I'm curious to yeah. know. <laughs> okay, I can't seem to escape that. Uh, <laughs> uh, so um, uh, after 9-11, uh, we obviously uh, did a lot of work, and there was a lot of press going on, and our uh, press guy at the time, Francis Cookie McCartan, uh, was trying to get <laughs> me to do interviews, and I was so busy, I just I couldn't do a thing, and uh, you know, and finally, you know, uh, you know, he was pressing me, and the boss was pressing me, so I said, fine, I'll sit down, you know, and have an interview. So I sat down with New York magazine uh, and Frank introduces me uh, to uh, the reporter and says this is uh, Henry uh, Jackson deputy commissioner uh, and we call him Action Jackson and I looked at him I had never heard that before I had no idea where it came from but I had to go along at that point so uh, she printed it a lot of people read it uh, and uh, I've got a beautiful pink hat upstairs that says Action Jackson that I hold the rest on is to history dearly. as they say indeed, indeed thanks for bringing that up <laughs> well we want to thank you both uh, for joining us today. Uh, Remember, to our listeners, hurricane season may be over, but you can take steps to be prepared by visiting nyc.gov slash knowyourzone and weather.gov slash nyc to find out how you can prepare for hurricanes in New York City. That's this edition of Prep Talk. Like what you heard, listen anytime online and through your favorite RSS feed. Until next time, stay safe and prepared.